0: How's it going, everybody? Ben Lind here, welcoming you to another episode of Talking Engagement, the podcast that brings you actionable insights to promote a culture of engagement and inclusion in your business. I want to start this podcast by acknowledging the the strange times that we all find ourselves in. Uh, I'm currently coming to you from the downstairs living room uh, in isolation. Hive HR have gone into working from home mode uh, until things start to clear up and a bit more certainty arrives. Um... But we're one of the fortunate ones who are set up to do so. Um, In any event, I think it was really important that I was able to get an episode out for everybody. If we're going to be spending a little bit more time indoors, we're probably going to be spending more time concentrating on work. And today's guest couldn't have come along at a better time to share some examples on how to keep yourself sane, the importance of establishing a routine, but also the importance of of switching off and, and trying not to take everything too seriously. I was joined on the show by Gareth Worley. Gareth is the Global Director of Diversity and Inclusion at the Coca-Cola Company. And um, this, is a, this podcast is a little bit longer than usual, but I let it run because I felt like what Gareth was saying was, was really important given the times that we find ourselves in. And uh, and frankly, I really enjoyed talking to him. Um, I hope you all get a lot out of this. I know I certainly did. So with no further ado, please welcome Gareth Worley. Utilities Today by Gareth Wally. Gareth, thank you for joining me today. How's it going?
1: Hi, Ben. Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No,
0: it's a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming. I think that at the risk of dating this episode a little bit, we appear to be right at the beginning of the the coronavirus, officially a pandemic today. So uh, no, I appreciate you coming in and, and risking... Infection risk. life. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Good stuff. So, well, I'll tell you what, Gareth, if like, you kick us off and um, start the show the same way all the time, do you want to just talk us very briefly kind of through who you are, what you do for anyone who might not be familiar with you?
1: Yeah, cool. So, um, as you quite rightly pronounce, my name is Gareth Worley. Um, I am an HR person by trade, so I've been in HR for about 15 or more years now. Um work for big companies like Butter and Gamble, IBM, the stint in a smaller business in the UK as well. And then for the last five years I've been working for the Coca-Cola Company. I would say most of my time I've been um across my whole career, I've been in the reward and benefits space. Um but for the last few months I've been lucky enough to take a new gig in diversity and inclusion, which is amazing. I think the the best definition of inclusion I've ever heard is it's the combination of feeling valued for your uniqueness and feeling like you belong so if you strip away all of the demographics that that might bring to mind and just think of it as every person's an individual every person brings different life experience every person brings a different way of thinking every person brings something that is different Um, and actually Apple on their Um, diversity report on their website I just happened to have been looking at this yesterday I came across it for the first time and they say the truth is we're all different the power is we're all different that's
0: a good way of putting it and I think
1: that's really powerful because actually then you start to think well what can we create together as a collection of individuals regardless of demographic characteristics but what does the life experience and the cognitive Mm. diversity bring to the mix that can help us amp it up to the next level as an organisation
0: it is like such a powerful way of putting it because it kind of flies in the face with like the idea of identity politics which I think is may well have been just as commonplace throughout history but I feel like is a lot more prevative in kind of the common mindset these days you know a lot of people get wrapped up in like I am this therefore I act in this way therefore I agree with and I disagree with like these other types of things whereas if you look at it as actually no I'm an individual like I might subscribe to certain uh, beliefs or philosophies or whatever, but I'm all about kind of understanding where everybody else is coming from as well, finding the power and the opportunity in that, then that's a much better place, like much better position to operate from than, well, no, because I'm there, you know, I'm a liberal, therefore I am anti-conservative and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the, the challenge with all of this agenda is it sounds great when we say it mm. and it looks great on a poster mm-hmm. and even a written strategy and whatever. But the reality is, we all go about our lives every day with all of these unconscious biases that are just built in. Some of which are helpful, and some of which are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we're not always thinking about are we being inclusive with everything that we do and in every conversation that we have mm-hmm. and every meeting that we set up and you know whatever. So, yeah, I talk about it in very simplistic terms, right? Belonging and uniqueness. Mm-hmm. But the reality is actually achieving that is incredibly difficult, and that's why jobs like mine
0: exist. Mm, absolutely, and I th- well, one of the things that I saw actually on your, on your LinkedIn that I really liked as well was you talking about helping people to not take everything so bloody seriously, right? And that kind of got me thinking. For, for a question that I did want to ask is, because I maybe feel this this way a little bit, like I, I you know i take things pretty seriously right like whether that be you know my interactions that i have with people and i'm probably like quite a harsh critic of myself it's like well did that into was that interaction a 10 out of 10 right like and i think maybe that's a a symptom of of working in a a sort of commercial focus as well you know like how do i you know take into account somebody's feelings somebody's agenda somebody's you know uh increase you know uh abundance or absence of urgency, you know, and it still needs to fit what I want and what my company needs, but at the same time, like you still have to operate as a compassionate and caring individual in society, right? Because we're still people who are doing business with one another, for example. So like, do do you think, have people always taken life really seriously or do you think with all the pressure and hustle porn and stuff that exists now, like people do take things more seriously?
1: It's a really interesting question. So what you just described is empathy,
0: Yeah.
1: right? And to me, empathy doesn't mean that you have to be completely serious all the time. So I think um, the busyness of the modern world, the pressure to achieve, the pressure to be always on, the pressure to be succeeding, which is especially felt by the younger generations coming into the workforce. I mean, it's just how we're growing up, you know, technological overwhelm, pressure 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 i think that does generate a sense of seriousness that's unfortunate in my mind now i don't think that that is a new thing per se like i don't think that kind of pressure and that seriousness hasn't always existed but i think my observation is there aren't that many people in the world relatively that are going about saving lives stopping babies dying every day. I'm doing a job for a company that's making money from selling drinks. In the past, I was doing a job for a company that was making money from selling software and consulting services and whatever else. These are things that enhance people's lives. You know, in the case of Coca-Cola, we talk about, you know, we're here to refresh the world and make a difference. That's our purpose. That's amazing. That comes with a lot of opportunity. And of course, it comes with responsibility. But the reality is, it's not about saving babies in Africa. So I think there's just a sense of relativity that I like to apply to. It, it says, you know, like, this is all good. Like, this, mm. is, this is all good. Let's, let's, look, let's approach it with positivity and let's approach it with a sense of fun. Because actually when you are in that frame of mind where you're enjoying what you do and you can come to it with a sense of lightness, admitting that there are times of gravity in any job, of mm. course there are, but actually if you can approach things with that sense of... Um, Optimism and positivity and lightness, you're actually more likely to be productive. You're actually more likely to have a positive impact on the people that you're working with. And you're actually more likely to have, to deliver greater results because you're working in an environment where you're buzzing.
0: Yeah. Like you're almost... Not absolving yourself of the responsibility of it, but like appreciating that within the context of everything else that's going on. Yeah, exactly. And listen,
1: like we've all got accountabilities and some of them are very serious, right? People manage PLs, people have huge, you know, targets to meet, people have ridiculously difficult working days. I mean I'm not belittling any of that, but what what I am saying is it doesn't always have to be approached with a straight face.
0: Mm. I like the sound of that. It's definitely something that that I'm trying to be kind of more mindful of, um, you know, kind of going about my day-to-day as well. I mean, I think that it was just when I had that real- realisation the other day that, like, all the books and stuff that I'm reading are all about people who get up at five in the morning and, you know, attack the day and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, was, it was my dad actually said to me, he was like, you do know that you can get to work at 8 a.m., 8.30 a.m., and you're not robbing anyone. You're not, like, any less efficient or whatever kind of thing. And I thought you know, you might have something there. So I'm but, almost... the, but what
1: you've just described there, Ben, is that pressure, right? And so like, I don't think I've got a book in me, but you never know. <laughs> but there are many people who write books and they either do it because that's their job and they enjoy it, or they do it because they're very passionate about a topic and they want to share their thinking. To some extent, that's a symptom of the pressure, the mm. overachieve, the give more, the give more, the give more. And I think from a wellbeing perspective as much as anything else... Sometimes we just owe it to ourselves to just lean back a little bit. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, and it's absolutely... It's something that I'm kind of... I think that a personal thing that I'm probably going to look to embark on is like almost that like decoupling of like this idea of pressure with this idea of achievement. You know, kind of try and understand that I can I can achieve both in a sense without necessarily kind of interlocking one to the other. Totally. To
1: I mean, in my mind, it's about finding your own way to be the most awesome you can be at work but doing that in a way that is, as I say, your way is a balanced way and is a way that works for you in your life mm. you know, the words work-life balance have been around for years people have talked about work-life integration w- whatever you want to call it, I just think it's balance I just think it's being kind to yourself about self actualizing in a way that isn't going to kill you mm. so thinking about like how can I how can I contribute to the work and how can I achieve the outcomes in smart ways and in ways that allows me to still have my life?
0: Absolutely. No, and, and I think that's that's a 100% where I think a lot more people could be aiming for. And I also think that maybe there is a responsibility there. Like maybe that is a, an area that more organisations could could look to dial up on. You know, like I think that, I mean, you know, talking off the top of my head here and I think that you know you hear a lot of people now like let's say for example like mental health and things like that there's a lot of awareness around stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. and things like that and everyone's like look take your time take your day this is you know that's fine for you but have we as businesses like actually started to look at you know what those underlying pressures are and everything like that so you know maybe more of a a conscious campaign around sort of like focusing on making sure it's about outputs rather than about hours for example things like that yeah
1: there's a huge amount that goes on in different businesses and i think there's a huge amount of research that that supports some of the activity so this year i was um fortunate and and very flattered again to be invited to be a judge for the reba Wellbeing awards and so the second time that i've done it and we actually gave out the awards in london last week Um, there's a huge focus on mental health in many many organizations from small businesses with less than 100 people to medium-sized businesses to the really big ones. I mean, it's a consistent Mm -hmm. thread and a consistent theme. And I think it has an incredible focus and that is very, very applaudable. Mm -hmm. I think where organisations have yet to um, move the needle is how does that integrate with a broader wellbeing strategy? And the thing that I always see as most neglected in organisations is the concept of social wellbeing. So if you think there's four traditional pillars of well-being, right? There's your physical, there's your financial, there's your mental or emotional, and then there's your social. Mm-hmm. You see organizations focusing a lot on physical and yeah. on mental, a yeah. little bit less so on financial, but it's coming through mm-hmm. um, and very much less so on the social. Now these things all operate together to give a sense of holistic well-being, And I think that's where the beauty is and that's where the real power is. Because think about it, if you're skint, and you're struggling to pay off your credit card every month and you've got no savings and your mate that you went to uni work that's driving around in a Porsche and just bought a big house, mm-hmm. regardless of whether you know that that person's got shed loads of debt or whatever, yeah, you don't yeah, know yeah. how they got those things. No, exactly not. But the pressure to compete and looking at your own bank balance is affecting your mental health. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And there's a good chance that it's affecting your physical health as well. The, the way that social health social well-being can play out in that space it actually again comes back to inclusion and I feel like this is engineered and it isn't <laughs> but it comes back to inclusion in terms of if I feel like I'm constantly surrounded by people that value me that I feel like I belong and that I can actually talk about stuff with mm-hmm. even with all of that pressure that started in a financial thought process I'm actually more likely to get a handle on all of that and it's going to contribute positively to my mental health as well as potentially to my financial well-being.
0: I like I completely I, I completely resonate with that. I mean, I, I think that um, it sort of ties in a little bit with like another like another sort of word that begins with social. So like social media, for example, <laughs> like I um, like consciously stepped away from Facebook, Twitter, from Instagram. J- like just January, you know, it started off as being one of those like dry January things. I'm going to stop uh, meat, booze, and social media. Right. Um, and uh, to be fair, like middle of March now, had a couple of drinks, had a couple of instances of, of, uh, of carnivorous activity, <laughs> I say. but um, you know, haven't haven't gone back to social media. And I think that w- what you were saying there about kind of the way in which we maybe evaluate our own lives versus other people's lives, like that is a natural thing to do. But what I realized, even with you know colleagues, you know here and, and in other organizations that I've worked in, like I realized that I wasn't seeing them through my own through the prism of my own eyes anymore i was seeing them through the lens in which they want to be seen by everybody else and it was i was increasingly aware that the person that you want me to think you are i'm not a big fan of but the person that you actually are i really like a little bit yeah Yeah. so (laughs) let's just you know let me just let me just remove this lens that you know where you you know, whatever, where you're super rich or super healthy or a fitness influencer or whatever it might be, and you can just go back to being my friend and my colleague. Like, wouldn't that be much better?
1: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you what. So I've similar to you. Over the course of the last year, come off Twitter, come off WhatsApp, come off uh, Facebook. I've actually kept Instagram, and I've see yeah. I kept WhatsApp. Ah, interesting. <laughs> just for chatting. <laughs> so, so for me, Instagram has all of the things that you just described, mm-hmm. but I find it very easy to filter it. to... Right my own needs mm-hmm. without offending anybody. I can unfollow, I can follow new stuff, mm-hmm. I can switch to my dog's Instagram and just look at dogs all day rather than looking at people. You know, there's, there's. I find that there's more guilt-free choice in the way that I mm-hmm. interact with Instagram and actually it helps with that. Mm-hmm. Now, I do follow loads of house renovation accounts and get really jealous about these big houses, but whatever, it's fine. Again, it's about having having choice in it and about having a sense of realism about it. Um, I think the world that we live in today and especially in the workplace digital overwhelm is real yeah. so if you think about um, even, like, so I started work properly in a, like a real job in 2001 right? Mm-hmm. so we already had email, mm-hmm. we already had instant messaging mm-hmm. we didn't have workplace social platforms, we didn't have collaboration sites like Microsoft Teams for example and then in the outside world, we had a mobile phone that made calls, and if you were lucky, you did text messages, yeah. right? Look at it now. There's all those platforms that you just described in the social space. There's WhatsApp. There's all the other stuff that you're dealing with outside of work. And then you come into work, and you're faced with, there's an app now for your benefits, and there's an app now for your well-being, and there's an app now for some IT stuff. And yeah, then there's exactly. all of these... you just, just thrown at you the whole time, And again, in the way that I'm talking about being choiceful with social media, to some extent you've got to feel empowered to be choiceful about the way that you engage with that whole cacophony of stuff to avoid the overwhelm. Mm. So I am experimenting, and it's not going very well yet, but it is only week one. I'm experimenting with opting out of email.
0: Right.
1: And it's been met with mixed reaction. Uh, Because I As you can imagine. Because
0: immediately, like in my head, I'm just like impossible, right? So, I, I suppose I'll let you elaborate. Right.
1: Well, so I have an automated response on my Outlook that goes to every message that comes from an internal email address. Yeah. And it says, thanks for your message. I've actually found that Microsoft Teams is a better way to collaborate internally than email, so come and find me there. Okay. Now, obviously, that doesn't work for external email, so I still have to have an inbox for external email, but the, the messages from internal people get automatically filed mm-hmm. to a separate folder that's called Bounced to Teams. Right. And so this is week one, right? So what I found is people are coming to find me in Teams, oh. and so I'm not dealing with a lot of internal email. Yeah. And the volume of external email that I get is really manageable on my phone. Mm-hmm. So physically, I'm not opening Outlook well, on my know. desktop, on my yeah. computer, so it's one less thing.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, like I say, it's an experiment. Who knows how it's going to go, but we're trying it. Well, I'm trying it out. I like As I say, mixed reactions, but people get over the stuff.
0: Well, and I think in a way, it almost lets the non-essential weed itself out, right? Exactly. You know, like, I think that, you know, I resonate a lot. You know, there'll be times in, you know, where I get, you, know, you get that Slack message at 8pm and you're like this isn't urgent and there's that little voice in your head that's like a good employee would answer that and you're like oh but i'm watching the football or i'm cooking dinner or whatever whatever But the problem you have there is
1: either you went looking for that notification or that notification came and found you yeah so i don't have any notifications on my apps on my phone it rings if somebody calls me and if somebody texts me but Mm. other than that there's literally no notification so i have to be going looking for communication to react to it The other thing I've just done is taken advantage of the screen time function on the iPhone. So now between 8pm and 7am, all of my apps are greyed out. Mm -hmm. I can still access them. I can override the screen time block. But it's just that trigger point or that question that says, do you really need to go and look in your emails? Do you really need to go on Instagram? Mm -hmm. Do you really need to check your steps in Virgin Post? Probably not. <laughs> You're watching the Great. I'm a pottery thrower. I'm, I'm, I'm a step checker as well. Yeah. I have to say, I'm an obsessive step
0: checker. I like that. I,
1: I, so to be fair, I'm a bit OCD, and so anything that I can track is good. and in my fitness power with calories. I'm on Virgin Pulse with steps. Whatever, whatever. Like it's all good because it feeds something. Yeah. But what I do do is just take an analog holiday every now and again. So like if if I'm having two weeks off work, I literally leave my Apple Watch at home, put mm-hmm. my old school watch on turn all of my stuff off and I'll just go and be an analogue human for a week or two. I know you're freaked out. I can see anything. There's a little bit of me. i like, <laughs> how would that
0: work, man? Like, even... I mean, I've got into this uh, I, I've got into this bad habit now of, like, when I'm going to sleep, I put, like, long-form stuff on, on my phone that I can listen to while I go to sleep. And I've realised now that I've actually conditioned myself to not be able to sleep in silence. So I really need to, like i need to take some steps man i think (laughs) i'm gonna get i'm gonna start graying out apps i'm gonna do it i think you need to go to a yoga retreat or something i'm (laughs) gonna do a i'm gonna do a screen time a voluntary screen time cleanse i think that's gonna have to happen so i suppose like we we're, for context we're sat in front of this list of questions everybody and but what i you know i think what i really think when i think this show is at its best is when i let people just talk about what's important to them and then we kind of dip in and dip out of like how that applies to the world of work how that applies to your personal life and then what kind of human being that then brings back into the world of work um but if i can bring it back ever so slightly gareth is what just I w- just
1: pause for a second for the benefit of the listeners we've got a list of 11 questions in front of us. We only got to question four before we got completely derailed. Just being transparent. I think that like,
0: I mean, I, you know, to be fair though, I think that uh, it comes across that this, this is, a, I feel like, you know, you can sometimes tell when you're doing when you're like, this is a good episode. Though. I feel like we're in, I feel like we're in that now. But, so yeah, I mean, we talked, I guess about, a bit of the differences kind of in the in the maybe in the world of work certainly but if we were going to dial back a little bit and let, let's look at maybe a couple of main like the big differences in say the HR and people space maybe over the last 10 years right do you think kind of an inundation of comms is something that's affected that particular space, or has there been some other things that are much more prevalent, would you say?
1: Yeah, one, yes, absolutely. And it comes back a little bit to that technological overwhelm piece. I think that in of itself has generated Mm. more communication, which then is overwhelming. Um, I think also the agenda of the people or the HR function, whatever you call it in your own organisation, has moved on to the extent that it is broader than it ever used to be. I mean, think, you know, I don't think I ever worked in a company where it was still called personnel, but there are companies that still exist, right, where it's called personnel. And let's face it, the professional body is still called the Chartered Institute for Personnel and Development. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that hangover, you know, I very um, lovingly refer back to those days as the, you know, T and Tampax days. (laughs) <laughs> that's, kind, that's kind of what the personnel function sort of served to, to, to achieve was, was the, the friendly face and, and the caring, mm-hmm. um, almost like the employee champion. And I feel like we do still play that role. But I think the reality is, you know, HR has become far more an advisor to the business, far more mm-hmm. valued as an advisor. And actually, I would argue, certainly in the business that I work in today, a critical, element of of the business itself Mm. so what that means is well we still have to champion the employee and we still have to of course create an environment where people can find an experience that works for them and helps them to self-actuate in a balanced way as I was talking about before Mm. we also as a function are really responsible for um, creating strategies that help the business move forward through through the use of its human resources um and we are there to deliver results for the business through ever more innovative people solutions whether that be in the learning space and the way that we bring learning to people in the flow of their work rather than them having to sign up to an e learning class or go to a classroom because let's face it nobody's got time for any of that anymore Definitely. or not very often at least or you know whether it's the way that we think about rewarding people whether we think about you know structures in the organization and what's the role of teams versus the way that we've been quite individualistic in mm-hmm. the past all of this stuff which is kind of led by trend but to some extent it's also led by what the organization is trying to achieve it's just completely different to what hr was even 10 years ago and certainly a lot longer ago
0: what got you i can you know i can tell there's like an inherent sort of passion and interest in it right but what what made you kind of make that move consciously if indeed it happened that way into diversity and inclusion
1: oh i thought you were gonna ask me about into hr <laughs> which was an accident um into dni was more purposeful it was serendipitous but it was purposeful um so in my last role in reward one of the things that I was working on was a refresh of our employer recognition strategy. Mm -hmm. So I'd actually designed the original strategy back in 2015, and we've been rolling that out kind of ever since um, and continually trying to improve it. But I was really doing some research to help us sort of reframe the strategy and take it to the next level. And so I spent some time, you know, doing desk-based research, but also had an external partner organisation that we work closely with. In that space and we were doing a workshop for a couple of days out in um, Minneapolis and we were fortunate to be joined by dr. Bad who is um, a professor at the University of Louisville who really specializes in employee experience and we also had some of the researchers from BI Worldwide which is the partner that we were working with and it was quite an immersive kind of learning experience as well as a strategizing and kind of planning session and some of the stuff that was just coming through repeatedly, both from the desk based research, what I was hearing from Brad, what I was hearing from the BI researchers, was um, the role that inclusion plays in employee experience and the connections that that has to the world that I was focused on at that point in time, which was recognition. Like I literally just couldn't ignore it. So mm-hmm. here's just a, a few kind of highlights of that, right? So if you think, In an organization where you have a recognition strategy in place, you want to be recognizing specific things that are indicators that the person or the team did something that the organization wanted and would like to see repeated. Mm -hmm. So by virtue of that, you're saying, I'm recognizing you for being curious, Yeah. right? Well, that tells me that curiosity is one of the behaviors that the organization is looking for. And Mm -hmm. I kind of feel... A bit more like I belong in the organisation because I'm being recognised for a a behaviour that I have demonstrated. Mm -hmm. That's one. Two, some of the research BI Worldwide did said that if people feel so, this was a specific question or a specific statement that people were asked to respond to, favourably or otherwise, was this is a place for people like me. So, talking about their workplace Mm. as they felt that this is a place for people like me kind of gets to that sense of belonging. Yeah. What they found was people who responded very favourably to that statement were 13 times more likely to be inspired at work, they were nine times more likely to be committed to their work, and they were four times more likely to stay in the organisation. Number three, and this gets into the well-being space a little bit, engaged employees are healthier. Yep. Fact. What happens in terms of overall health, about 30% of it is determined by social factors like your class background and your family and everything that you've come from. Those yep. kind of social determinants. And then the other 70% is quite a lot of grey space. But clearly work for people who do work plays a big role in that. Things like team relationships, relationship with your manager, sense of feeling, you know, like you're contributing yep. something and, and all of that Connection
0: stuff. to the purpose of the organisation. All of
1: that ties back to physical health. Okay. And, and mental health and well-being okay, in yes. all senses. So if you if you think about an individual, within that 70% of grey, whatever the, the percentage of that that's made up by work-related factors makes, right? If that person's having a great experience, they're feeling like they belong, they feel like they're included, they feel recognised, and they feel like they're self-actualising, they are nailing it. Yeah. Right? So... What really piqued my interest was doing that research and seeing all of these connection points and thinking, you know what? Once I'm done with this recognition piece, where I actually want to contribute next is in helping people to have a better experience and feel more like this is a place for people like me. Mm -hmm. Because I've always felt like that at Coca Cola, I'd say that wholeheartedly. Hand on heart, like home is the word I would use. Wow it's incredible. And it's not for everyone. I mean, like any business, it's got good things and challenging things and whatever. But like, I feel like I create my experience symbiotically with the organisation. And I'm able to do that because I have the flexibility to do it my way. I do it in a way that helps me to be well. But I do it all along knowing that it's a place where I feel like I belong. Mm.
0: And I think that there's definitely something to that in the sense that, if we take like the opting out of email, albeit it's a test at the minute, but if we take the the opting out of email, right, Coca-Cola as an organisation have made you feel empowered to be able to take that decision. There isn't any sort of red tape or bureaucracy or somebody breathing down your neck to be like, look, Gareth, we'll let you have this week, but from next week, it's emails for you again. And it's just, I think that having that, I guess, comfort, right, and knowing that you understand your employers like philosophy on things but also how how much they trust you to be able to like determine the parameters in which you exist at work
1: starts with trust absolutely and, and trust is something that you build so could i have said on week 1 in 2014 when i started in the business that i'm not i'm just not doing email by the way no, probably not i don't do email you Yeah, know this about me <laughs> Probably not, right? So, so trust builds over time, and that's what creates that sense of empowerment. You know, quite often we talk about, as a business, we empower employees. Bullshit. As a business, we create an environment where employees feel empowered. Mm-hmm. Empowerment is something you can't give to someone. It's something that somebody creates for themselves, right? So you're absolutely right. It starts with trust. It starts. It starts there, and then it gets into culture. And the reason I'm saying mixed reactions and it's an experiment is because actually there will always be people who are always going to be in my inbox, who aren't going to look at the auto-reply and come and find me in Teams, but they're going to need me. They're going to need a response from me. And so, you know, I need to try it out and I need to see what it it looks like in the fullness of time. But I'm doing it openly. You know, I'm doing it. I'm telling people that I'm doing it. The message says that I'm doing it. Um, And the environment will you know, with my fingers crossed, enable it to be a successful experiment and we'll see where Mm -hmm. it goes. It's just one example. I mean, other things, you know, one, as I said, I'm the only person who works for the company who's based in Newcastle, 400 miles away from the closest office, and I'm actually in Atlanta more than I'm in London, to be honest. So the realities of being a, a virtual worker are that I actually have a really nice opportunity to create my own experience in a way that is reflective of my well-being so I do my working day very differently to anybody else that I know regardless of whether I'm in or out of email Um, and and I'm able to do that but I would like to think that everybody in one way or another is able to do that and Mm -hmm. to create their own experience in a way that works for them with their well-being in mind to create their own sense of empowerment and to give them the opportunity to experiment with their own things that Mm -hmm. are going to help with their own experience so, you know, mm-hmm.
0: so say there's somebody listening to this right now, and they're like, "I absolutely love the sound of this," but you know, and I think probably if I'm if I'm getting into the mindset here, I think there's going to be some people listening to this, and they're going to be like, "Well, you know, we're not Coca-Cola, we're not this, we're not that." But if we just take, you know, and it's probably as much as this doesn't exist, but you know, let's say your average organization, right? If somebody was to be listening to this right now, and they were thinking, "What?" Is something that I could implement reasonably sharpish to let's say achieve better inclusivity or to maybe test the water for whether or not there's an appetite for more of these type of things at my business what might something like that look like
1: I'm assuming you want me to start with things that don't cost anything
0: I think that I I think some of the listeners will really appreciate that yeah
1: (laughs) so the most powerful thing in my mind is conversation so if you are not even talking in the workplace about inclusion Mm -hmm. if you're not talking about helping people to feel like they belong then that's an easy first step so whether that's formal or informal whether it's in person or on social whether it's leadership led or in a team environment whatever it might be there's always a way to start a conversation And if you've got the tools that can bring that to life in a fun way, you know, maybe use some testimonials and videos, and even more so, if you can get leaders authentically talking on stage about their own story, again, it costs you nothing. Mm -hmm. But actually, it just shows that everybody's different. There are people in very senior positions in the business who are different, and they're welcomed and successful, and they feel like they belong despite those differences. Then that's a great start. The other thing that you can think about doing with some investment is how do you actually measure how you are doing, right? Most people have an HR system. Most people capture some demographic information, typically gender, typically generation, because you have their age in your HR system. If you're really good when you're onboarding people, you might have some um, ethnicity or Mm -hmm. racial kind of data as well. Um, You may even have... And I would applaud you if you do, you know, some kind of sexual orientation type data as well. Amazing. I mean, obviously, you've got to be cautious about how you use it and thinking about privacy and security and all of that stuff. But actually analysing the data Mm -hmm. to give you a sense of what is the makeup of your organisation from a diversity perspective. Mm -hmm. And then thinking about all of those angles that you've just analysed from an inclusion lens. And thinking, well, are are we creating inclusive experiences for people across the board? even just doing the analysis and thinking about it is a great first step Mm -hmm. now I could then list 15,000 other things that you could do on the back of that but that's fundamentals Mm -hmm. that are relatively low effort and relatively low investment Mm -hmm. that starts to show to the organization that you're thinking about it and you're serious about it Mm -hmm. um and actually gives you some food for thought for how you might take it forward
0: so it's like oh so like initially it's you know it's it's as you said communication right it's open that dialogue let's find some examples inside our organization that are immediately available who can speak to their experience and help people find that you know educational empowering and then if we're going to take a bit more of a longer term stance on it and i suppose that the lens through which i'm looking at this kind of does chime in with with our day-to-day here which is surveying and i suppose being able to kind of chop up the demographics of your organisation to really kind of drill down into what part of your business is experiencing, what part of the experience most frequently or most infrequently, and then using that as the as the basis from which your future action planning happens. Um,
1: yes, I think so. Absolutely. Like if you can bump up general employee data against survey data that gives you demographic splits of like how are your most senior women feeling? Yeah because actually that's probably worse than you think it is. How are, your mo- how are your millennials feeling about the energy they've got to get through the day? Yeah. That's probably worse than you think it is. You know, like, there's some stuff that you can do there, mm-hmm. which is just joining two data sets together. It's not, like, big data, yeah. right? It's not <laughs> this, like, like, I could do it on a spreadsheet myself and I'm not a whiz, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's stuff like that that you can do that actually just gives you insights to help you plan forward. The other thing I would say is, Connect with other businesses. You know, this is a space where it's not about competition. No. You know, if you think about the industry in which you operate and you think about the business that you're that you're in and think about some of the challenges that might face the demographic that you're working with and then you use networks to find what other people are doing in this space mm-hmm. or even just use your employee network to help you think through the strategy. So I'm actually going to shout out... Um, mm-hmm a company that actually has a presence here in Newcastle as well funnily enough Um, it's a a game development business called Ubisoft yeah so they won one of the mental health awards last week at Reba Go Ubisoft yeah Go Ubisoft and had the opportunity to to meet the the HR lead there a lady called Julia Melvin who's phenomenal by the way so hi julia if you're listening
0: i'm um, julie Ju- julia julia melvin julia yeah. maybe you'll be on the show someday i'll <laughs> be amazing i'll introduce you so so they've done
1: <laughs> so what julia's done is bitten off one of the most difficult things first which is mental health we were talking about this earlier
0: eating right? the frog right
1: exactly right so thinking about the demographic makeup of that business in mm. that industry recognizing that suicide rates are highest among males between 30 and 50, I think the start is, don't quote me on that, Um, and and thinking about it in that context, and then just engendering a conversation within the business, and getting employees talking about it, and building a bit of a campaign around it, has been incredibly powerful. I mean, they did a video, which has got employees in it, Mm -hmm. that they submitted with their um, award submission, and I literally cried. It was amazing. Yeah like that just building that level of understanding and emotion around topics that are relevant to the demographic like all of those people feel included in that conversation Mm. and they feel like they're not on their own Mm. if they're dealing with something that's mental health related the same could be applied to if i'm a gay man and i'm not out or it could apply to if i am i have an invisible disability that i've never disclosed so you know any lens and any demographic kind of topic that you want to apply to it just have a conversation and show the employees that you're even thinking about it Mm. can move you ahead leaps and bounds
0: get it on the agenda yes exactly cool so I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of seek to wrap this up a little bit because I appreciate you're a busy guy and everything but I want to talk about I suppose my last one is is that and I'm sure it's come across it's why I've been You know, I wanted to let this podcast kind of run as naturally long as I possibly can. But I think what has been abundantly apparent here, Gareth, is like you're someone who is, you know, fulfilled and passionate about what they do. You've created that reality for yourself, you know, by by finding an organization and, and, you know, shout out to Coca-Cola as well for, you know, Allowing you to do that first and foremost yes you've built up the trust yes you've got the track record that demonstrates that you're a a pair of hands into which this responsibility can be trusted Mm. but also you know you have found a place that allows you to be this happy fulfilled version of yourself how can we all kind of get a little bit closer
1: to that? Starts with happiness generally it starts with thinking about your life as a whole Mm -hmm. and what do you need to be happy?
0: I bet most people couldn't even. I because I'm you know I wanted to put my head down, I was like it's, and I you know I don't know. I I mean I suppose a load of like little follow up questions there is like do I mean I guess it's different. But did you inherently know this? Is is it stuff that you've pieced together as you've gone along? Like,
1: don't get me wrong. No. I'm not like this like guru who knows how <laughs> my life is going to pan out from now till the day that I die. True. Absolutely not. And what happiness looks like is different at different times mm-hmm. in your life. So no, I. I I don't expect people to immediately go, ha-ha, that's what happiness looks like for me. But I think there's a process, a gradual process as you go through life by which you realise there are things that give you energy and there are things that drain your energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a a place to start. There are things that are exciting to you and the things that you would rather staple pigeons to your eyelids than do right I mean just so so like if you start from that place and then you apply that in the workplace you can start to think well how do these things integrate how can I how can I achieve my overall life happiness in the work environment it sounds incredibly grand and I don't want it to I, so I start from happiness. I then start from productivity, and I start thinking, well, how can I be most productive in achieving that? Whether it's inside or outside of work. Mm-hmm. So just, I'll share some examples. So I've recently, um, so I've recently discovered that I actually can get into meditation. Tried it a few times and failed. Yeah. This time around it's really worked. It's been a different approach. That's a different podcast. Okay. Um, but meditation coupled with. Exercise, and I'm not talking about running five miles every day, I'm talking about going to the gym twice a week and walking the dog, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of times a day. Mm -hmm. Like that, coupled with the meditation, coupled with approaching work with a happiness and productivity mindset means that when I get to work at whatever time that might be in the morning, when I come to do some work or when I turn up to my first meeting or whatever it is, I'm coming at it ready. I've started the day with happiness and productivity, and then I'm ready for whatever.
0: Mm. I like the sound of that. It reminds me actually, it, it, it's. I'm, have you read The Miracle Morning? Is that, I have not. It sounds so like that. Like, you know, yes, the crux of it is like, get up a little bit earlier, but the point isn't this, you know, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee kind of mentality of like, get up early and smash some emails out and stuff like that. It's yeah, like, yeah. get up early, maybe read. You know, invest in a little bit of personal development so whether it is some mindfulness, whether it is walking the dog, maybe it's breakfast with the kids whatever it might be but it, it's exactly that, it's so that by the time you get to the thing that where you, that doesn't necessarily well that adds value to you but where you add value as well, you're already in that positive mindset and you've, you've succeeded already, therefore the natural thing to do is just to carry on that success throughout the day
1: I mean, it sounds a bit woo woo, but it's self care At the end of the day, it's, well, so I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote RuPaul. (laughs) Yes. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? Yeah. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But if you apply that in the work context, it's like, if you're showing up, rung out, not had enough sleep, not thought about your day in advance, not coming at it from a point of view of happiness and productivity you're probably going to be a drain on everyone else. You're certainly going to drain yourself because the chances are you're going to go in and be like meeting after meeting after meeting or email after email after email. email And you just haven't given yourself the chance to be ready.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I think that certainly, again, just kind of chime it back to my own personal experience. Like I'll know, well, this is a good example, right? If I was coming into this disinterested, knackered, upset, Or whatever, like the product wouldn't be very good. Like you probably wouldn't be having a great time. I don't think anybody would really enjoy listening to this. And it's like, you know, in the same way that, I mean, you know, again, to speak to kind of like if I'm if I'm doing a demo or if I have to you know, that, that part of the job that, that is a necessary evil, you know, try and find some new customers, right? If I sound absolutely devastated on the other end of the phone when I'm trying to tell people that <laughs> I think I have something that's going to make them happier, they're never going to believe that, right. are they, you know? Like, exactly. You can't say, we are a company that helps people have better days at work if you yourself sound like you're ready to, and I'm going to use a phrase I just heard a little while ago, staple pigeons to your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, look, finally, Gareth, just for consistency's sake, I'm asking everybody this uh, and there is no agenda behind it. Is it time that we rebranded human resources? And if yes, what should we rebrand it to?
1: Call it what you want. Call it banana, stiletto, penguin, personnel, people function, human resources, whatever. As long as you've got an organisation that is focused on an agenda around creating a good people experience, while at the same time helping the business to get the most value out of its human resources, let's face it, that's why it's called that, then call it what you want.
0: It's not about the name, it's about the behaviour behind it.
1: It's about the strategy and the behaviour behind it,
0: exactly. Amazing. Gareth, thank you so very much. For anybody who, you know, and I'm sure there will be some of them, people who heard this, they want to hear more, they want to know more about you and Coca-Cola or where to find your dog's Instagram. How can people, obviously not on email, but how can people get in touch with
1: you? Yeah, LinkedIn is a good one. Gareth Wally, W-H-A-L-L-E-Y. Um, if you are interested in the dog, at Heidi the Whippet, all one word, um, on Instagram. Um, and if you're in the northeast, you'll typically find me knocking around at events every now and again. So come and say hello.
0: Perfect. Gareth, thanks so much. Cheers. Bye-bye. Massive thank you to Gareth for coming on the show. I think the messages that he gave out there are going to be really, really important for us all to keep at the forefront of our minds over the coming weeks and months. Um, that's going to be enough from me for this episode of the podcast. Everybody, thank you all so very much for listening. I hope that you got something out of it. If you want to uh, follow up with me, it's Benjamin Lind, L-I-N-D, on LinkedIn. If you want to hear more about Hive and see how um, different companies are using communications and surveying and feedback to make sure that everybody is keeping fit and and mentally well and healthy in these challenging times then you can find Hive HR on the internet Um, and until next time stay engaged I hope you're all well bye-bye